All right. Um, any good stories of practicing hearing from God and getting something good? Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's more awkward. job that's so perfect <laughs> huh totally perfect good job that's awesome it's interesting that you said you felt like he reminded you of your son and that kind of stirred up some mama feelings. Yeah. Sure. But you, well, my point, I guess, more than that was um, Sean Boltz often describes it that way where he gets a friend's name or, or nickname or something and he knows it's for somebody in the crowd. You know, is there a Jennifer here or something? But he actually feels the love he has for that friend or person while he's ministering to them. He's described it that way. So it's so interesting that that is how that came up in you, that you saw this man and you had this mother's heart towards him that you could minister to him in a loving way like that. So it's Always. You know, I don't know that it ever isn't. <laughs> I, you know, I think I feel, I feel way more blessed than you do that. Sure. I just felt like, oh, you have no idea, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. Totally. And even if you do blow it, God can work with that. So, yeah. Well, blow it as in not do it, you mean. Either way. Yeah. Yes. But if you did it and still busted up, that would be good. So, still a win. Awesome. Well, um, this is our last Bible study. We're going to wrap up. Um, just trying to remember what my goal was. I wrote it at the top of the page. When, we, when I first started, kind of on my stuff, and I wrote, my main goal is to help us all feel more encouraged and equipped to move in these gifts, um, you know, in the gifts of the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and and all that. And this topic tonight, I want to talk about the mind of Christ and having the mind of Christ a little bit, and what that looks like. And I lost my notes because I had to go all the way to the top. But um, I want to just just kind of talk about this. It's so interesting because everything that we've been talking about is God speaking to us over somebody or to to ourselves, for somebody else, over a situation that he actually wants to share his heart and his mind and his character and nature and ways with us, for us and for others. Like, I don't know where it is. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament is, what other nation is there that has a God so near them in all they say and do? And I don't, even know the context. I just remember thinking, wow, God, how cool. You choose people. You have chosen this, set it up so that we could know you and you would know us. And you speak to us and you desire us and you desire to know us and have us share our heart and our thoughts and good and bad and ugly with you. Um, You know, and so in all of that, um, whatever we do, in our everyday life, we go to work, we raise our kids, we do what we do, we talk to people at the bus stop, but we're going to be healthy if it's a relational process and not a quest for information. And I think a lot of people approach Christianity or the Bible as this quest for information or solutions sometimes, and they leave out the relational aspect that God wants to speak through his word and through his spirit to us on a really personal way. And, you know, so we need to be immersing ourselves in God's word, reading, studying, memorizing it, listening it. But, but, well, and here's what I said, put down. When we approach God for information and not that love and connection that we're created for, we're not going to be healthy in how we translate him to the world around us. If we're just looking for right and wrong and good and bad, and those things are important, we need to know what's healthy, what's not healthy, what's good for us, what's not good for us. And that's great. But, when we're only in that place, we're not going to be unhealthy in how we translate him to the world. You could have been so offended when you got there that the guy had tattoos that you were like, well, that wasn't, I missed that, you know, and walked away or some, you know, and that's a silly example, but this is how we, you know, we can be if we're not in healthy relationship with love himself. Um, and you're going to miss out on knowing him. You're going to miss out on his heart and his ways if you just approach this in a very, um, I don't know, legalistic way. So we know, you know, just to lay this, we know the word of God is infallible. It's perfect. It's life-giving. It's beautiful. It's without fault. It, you know, reveals Jesus to us. He is the word. But understand our interpretation of what we think he's saying to us sometimes or what we're seeing in the word, it might not be perfect. It might be be life-giving without fault. Okay? So um, I, I just love that. Love that scripture. It's a good reminder that the word is perfect. My understanding of it in this moment might not be. 
Uh, there's a couple of scriptures I immediately think of when I approach this topic, you know, that we have the mind of Christ. And um, I, I dug this one up in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. That's good news. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I don't know, I think a lot of people quote this verse to say, oh, we can never know what God, God is thinking, or, or what he's going to do, or why he does what he does, or how he moves on the earth, or, you know, to blame him for the consequences of sin. You know, oh, you know, that child had, had to pass away from that disease, or, or you know, whatever, sickness, disease, accidents, um, just the brokenness of the earth. I think a lot of people are like, well, God moves in mysterious ways. We can't know his thoughts. Well, that's not what this is saying. Um, this verse is surrounded by the promises of salvation and the power of the word. Okay, if you go and read all of Isaiah 55, it speaks of God's mercy, which is getting what you don't deserve. It speaks of his everlasting, unfailing love, the beauty of forgiveness and repentance and turning to him. And I love, I don't know, I see, I see a lot of people that have a hard time with the Old Testament, and I understand why. But all I, you know, I, when I read it, even as a kid, which is weird in and of itself, and now that I understand myself better, I maybe understand why I would have been drawn to the Old Testament or just reading in general as a 7, 10, 12-year-old, but when I look through the Old Testament, I constantly see a God who is reaching out to restore people to himself, crying, talking to people, wanting to connect with people, wanting to speak into their hearts, okay? And yet it was a place where we couldn't connect with him one-on-one, and we didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. But I love that. Even in the Old Testament, God is seeking his people. He is wanting them to know who he is. Um, So this verse is surrounded with all of that beauty, and, um, you know, and thank goodness, like I said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. Um, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but, you know, like mercy and generous forgiveness, that's not my natural bent. I don't know if it's yours. You know, so thank goodness that God's ways are not like our fallen ways, are not the things we would think of. You know, we're talking about having the mind of Christ. Well, let me say this first. Um, no, it's gone. I lost it. So since we're talking about having the mind of Christ, the first step is um, just what we, well, we didn't read it, but in, in that surrounding verses, he's talking about turn to me, come back to me, and, and talking about repentance. And this is the first step in having the mind of Christ. Is cha- Repentance is turning around, changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. I love that. So seek God, call on him, change your ways and thoughts, and turn to the Lord. Change your mind. Um, which which looks like, you know, we're going to have lies and wrong thinking and bad attitudes that we need to let go of. We need to replace those things with his ways and his thinking and his nature and his attitudes. Okay, and how do we do this? We do this as we see and hear the truth in God's word. So we do, I'm not, when I say, you know, we need the word of God. I'm going to tell you this all the time. It's all I teach on. Read your Bible, study your Bible. It's very important. But we can't do that without the the teaching and the training of the Holy Spirit and the love of God, or it becomes really weird and unhealthy. Okay, so we, we see and we hear the truth in God's word. We experience his love, 
And we begin to see his higher ways of thinking and doing and being. And we get to be transformed into his image and into his likeness. I've seen, and it's the coolest thing, and now that I've seen it, I pray for it. I'm like, oh, I guess I knew that could be a thing, but I never really thought about it. I've seen people who struggle with an attitude or belief about themselves or a situation. We're not even talking sin, right? We're just talking, you know, they, they're, they're mis- they're, they are believing something wrong about themselves or about God or how he can intervene or act in, on their behalf or whatever, right? Whatever. We all have them. And I have seen people who just, and, and we all know it, we're like, yeah, that's not right, but we love you and we'll keep praying for you. And in an instant, it seems, they, ha- they have an encounter with the presence of God because they are in the word, they are staying in community, and they are in the presence of God at things like remedy, and they're coming and engaging on a Sunday morning in worship. And in an instant, or in a week, from one Sunday to the next maybe, I get testimonies. Hey, remember how I used to say this or think this way? God showed me, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because none of us were getting through. And God was able, in, an, in, an, in his presence, in an instant, with the, his, his word as seeds in a heart, he can change, the rewire the thinking in our brains. I need that uh, desperately a lot, so... <laughs> I thought that was a, me too, but it was a, yeah, you do. So, amen. Uh, If you guys get nothing out of this, thank you for letting me preach to myself. So I love that, a complete change of mind. And that's repentance, changing your mind. Going, ah, I see that in the word. I had an encounter with God, and I can no longer live or think or act this way anymore. I have to align with this revelation that, that is Jesus. Um, and I'm always forever and ever going to go back to Romans 12 too. So you guys could just, I should get, if, if I got a tattoo, that might be what it would be. I haven't tattooed because I can't decide. I would change my mind. So that seems too permanent. But if I did tattoo something, this might be what I should go with. Um, Romans 12 too. I'm going to read it from the Amplified to mix it up a little so you guys don't get too bored with it. Uh, since I read it every time in three months. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to his external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Uh, Let's read it from the Passion Translation as well. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So this verse tells me a couple things in the context of this. Um, We get to choose what molds and shapes our lives. We get to choose, and I would encourage you to be very careful with what you choose to listen to, to consume, to surround yourself with. There are, there's this one movie I really liked. I just know, it was a great movie. It messed me up for weeks. Just the imagery and the storyline and kind of there was some, you know, the crazy guy. I know that I cannot 
watch and, and engage in that kind of media because not because it's even a bad movie, but because of the way it affects my heart and mind and it throws me off course for too long. There are things I can't engage in. There's a lot of stuff going around right now, even in Christianity, that sounds really good, maybe biblical, maybe more loving than what our perception of Christianity is. And it is, um, but it's not founded in truth. We've got to be really picky and really careful about not jumping on even the Christian bandwagon, the culture, you know, a, a Christian cultural whatever. I don't even know how to explain it, but we've got to be really careful. Um, I had a friend talking about a book that's out right now that everybody's raving about, and she says, it's just not biblical, and, and young Christians are just gobbling it up. Um, and I understand the heart behind that, you know, I, um, or, or, or I, f- I understand the hunger for something that feels more loving or more well, I don't know what. But anyway, but be careful. We've got to be careful, and we've got to raise our kids to be careful about what they consume. So stop, uh, so what is the point? Um, we get to choose what molds and shapes our lives, what you listen to, what you do, what you value, and what you pursue. You get to choose those things. Okay, the next thing I, I notice in this verse is we can be changed. Hallelujah and amen. Say, I can be changed. <laughs> Amen. I can be changed. I have been changed. I am changing. You get to think about what you think about. I had a conversation 15 years ago with a woman in her 50s. Had no idea, had never thought about the fact that she didn't have to just be beat up, consumed by, overwhelmed by, with every thought that popped into her head. You get to think about what you think about. You get to stop the movies and the narratives and the conversations. You get to decide what you will think about and put that inside of you. So we get to we get to think about what we can think about, what we look at, what will again, what we'll ingest. Um, and when there's something, when you're thinking about what you're thinking about, and you go, God, why am I always thinking this thought, or or why am I so consumed with this? Why am I offended every time somebody says, you know, purple pony, you know? you know, you can take these things to God and he can help you get to the root of it. You know, we're this, again, it's a partnership and a relationship. It's not, we see something in the word and now I better do that or I'm in big trouble. It's I see something in the word and my life doesn't align with that. I'm going to go to God to get help to repent, to change, to become what I see in the word. That's how this works. Sorry, Joel, I don't know why, but I'm not just beating you up. You just, maybe you're just more engaged than everybody else. I feel more connected to you because you're like, yeah, taking notes on paper. Okay, you can be changed. You can think about what you think about and what you look at, what you pursue. Take it to God. Find out where those beliefs and attitudes are coming from. If they don't line up with God's word, take it to God and say, wow, I really hate purple ponies. Will you please help me with this? Your word says I should love purple ponies. I don't know why that's my example because I can't think of a really good one that won't offend everybody maybe. But, you know, you take it to God and you go, please help me with this belief, this attitude, this way of thinking, or, you know, these, these fears that I can't get a hold of. And your word says, don't be afraid like a bazillion times. So God, transform me, change me. Ask for revelation, ask for healing in that area, ask for renewal in that area. 
Okay, and then the other thing I see in this verse is we have the ability to know God's will. That's pretty amazing. We have, he wants us, again, he wants us to know his heart and his ways and his passions and his purposes, even his heart and his ways and his purpose and his passions for you. You get to know God's will for your life. You don't have to be beat up by everything that happens to you. You get to make choices. You can know his will and his heart. Um, the word transformation in this verse is where we get the word metamorphosis. You know, when the little caterpillar, I didn't know this. I kind of thought they kind of spun a cocoon, and we were watching some science thing that my kids love. And uh, they showed a picture. It actually oozes its cocoon and becomes the cocoon. I didn't know that. You guys are all nodding your head. You knew that. Anyway, this idea, we will be transformed just like that little caterpillar goes through to become a completely different creature, a butterfly, a completely new creature. And we all need transformation. We all need the Holy Spirit teaching, guiding, comforting us, leading us back to God's intention and purpose for our lives, to wholeness and freedom. One of the things that's interesting to me that's kind of come up in the last week or two, well, I had a dream. I told John about the dream. I had a dream. It started with the dream that I was being baptized. And I don't like being underwater. I didn't grow up in water. I learned to swim in college. My first triathlon, John so graciously described the swim portion because Karen and Barb were doing it and maybe somebody else. He described my swimming as trying to beat the water out of the way so that I could occupy the space. So that's how I swim. <laughs> so... So I had this dream that I was being baptized, and so I took a big breath of air. I can now go underwater. You know, it's okay, as long as I'm kind of in control. You're not in control, you're being baptized. You're being shoved under the water. So I took my big breath, and it's John, so I trusted him. No, I don't know why it was you. It has nothing to do with John. So I take the big breath, and then I'm like, you know, you're timing it. So I'm under the water, I'm blowing out the air, and then I know I'm going to come back up, but... I don't get lifted back out of the water. I am now panicking. This was a really short dream. I'm panicking because I died. No, I didn't die. I woke up. Anyway, and I'm panicking and I'm starting to fight. And I'm like, I want out of here. I am out of breath. I, I didn't hold on to it and then let it go. I just let it go. And now so I'm even, I need to breathe now. I'm, it was traumatic. So as I'm talking about our minds being renewed and us being transformed, what keeps coming up is this idea that we have to die to self. So I had the dream, and then I've had lots of opportunities to choose, since then, humility instead of anger, vulnerability instead of isolation and punishment. I've had these, this, and what that is is dying to myself. Let, you know, that old person, that old Annie needed to stay under the water until it was dead. <laughs> What's that joke? Oh, that's such a good joke. That's, you know, that's, I wish it were all rainbows and daisies, but sometimes it feels like we are dying because the old man needs to be like Jesus. And the only, well, that's not even true. No, scratch that. We'll delete that from the rec, what I just said. The old man needs to die, has died, went under the water, and now we're in this process of becoming like Christ. And sometimes, those attitudes still crop up and we need to kill them again. I don't know if that's even biblical, but that's how it works in my life that 
I, well, let me say this. Let me fix this <laughs> as best I can. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your spirit man is 100% renewed with God, 100% good to go. Our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions are in the process of being transformed to become like Christ. Was that a good enough fix? Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, well, I just felt like, yeah, anyway. Because what I don't want you to hear is I'm just a sinner that is barely scrapping by either. There's a tension. We are still being renewed, and we are made perfect in Christ, and some days are more Christ than me, and some are, yeah. So anyway, was that a good story? Now you all know the nightmares I have to dream about. It was so weird. And then as I started going through some different things, I was like, oh, oh, I just, this is what this is. Thanks for the heads up. The process is painful, right? It can be painful to change our minds, change our attitudes, change the way we think and, and what we choose to pursue and value. So the other thing, the other verse I love, um, if you want to hop over to James 1, uh, verse 5 through 7, uh, it says, if anyone, belo- oh, sorry, let me start over. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in that condition? I think that was the Passion Translation. It might have been the NLT, but I'm pretty sure it was Passion. I didn't write it down. So it's interesting to me that this verse's version uses the word ambivalent. Okay, and the word ambivalent, I had to look it up. I'm like, what does that actually mean? I think I know what it means. The definition, Google's definition, let me clarify, says having mixed feelings or contradictory ideas about someone or something having mixed feelings or contradictory ideas about someone or something, okay? So don't become ambivalent. We can go to God. We can ask for wisdom. We can ask. And here's, here's where all this is kind of coming from, which I put at the end of the notes instead of the top. I don't know why. When, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned the story of Solomon. He falls asleep. God comes to him in the dream and says, ask me, ask me what you want. And he asks for wisdom, which means I, wanna, I want to to lead and think and process and understand like you do. I want your, your input and your thoughts on life, not just the knowledge. And um, so we, have, we can ask for God's ways of thinking and processing and under, knowing how to live this life and, and revelation. But when you ask, look, when we ask for wisdom, when we ask to know God and we ask for input into our lives, we can't doubt. When I studied this last a few years ago, it's literally, it could, it could mean being two-faced. And I imagine looking at that as like we go to God and we say, oh my gosh, you're the best. I love you so much. And I just want to know everything about you and what you have to say. And should I marry this guy? And God's like, no, no, you should not. And you're like, I didn't like that answer. I'm going to go ask all my friends. I'm going to go ask Google. I'm going to go ask whoever that will agree with me, okay? And I don't know if that's the best, best description of this, but 
maybe a better description of, of what's going on here in these verses is we can go to God and say, God, I need your input. I need your wisdom. I want to think like you think. I want to be transformed like, like we just read that we could be. But then you doubt. I don't know if God is really that good. I don't know if God can do that for me. And we have these lies that need to be unraveled. But don't, don't doubt God and his word. Okay, we can't doubt. We've got to go to him and go, you are good and I don't deserve this, and I don't understand, or I'm in this situation, God, and I'm just going to trust you and trust what you're showing me. Um, John, John, last week, gosh, time is flying. I don't even know. It felt like longer. But um, he was talking about the gifts and the calling. You know, we have a calling and a gift on our lives. And one of the things I thought of as he was talking, you know, sometimes people think, and it's, it's rooted in not knowing that God is good, but you think that, well, if I'm going to serve God or if God is going to ask me to do something, it's going to be the thing I really don't want to do, the thing I really hate because he's going to have to teach me something or he's going to teach me patience or whatever. That is a wrong belief. That's going to God and saying, God, show me what you want me to do and show me how you made me and designed me and, and where I'll flourish and where I'll have uh, that, that nourishment and satisfaction of doing your will. And then here he says something amazing, and you're like, well, that couldn't have been God. It must be the opposite of what I want. That, I think, is, you know, you're doubting God. You're wavering. You're being, you're, you're, you're looking into his face and his goodness and going, I, I don't know if I can believe that. I don't know if, it's, if you're that good. Um, so we got, we've got to continue to be transformed, trust that he's good. His word is good. He's, his word is powerful and can bring life. He has all the wisdom you need. Another verse people use when they have when they're not pursuing God or they haven't pursued hearing God is Romans eleven, thirty three and thirty four. I think these are kinda of, I think actually what happens is there's a big jumble of them and they kinda of just jumble them together and go, We can't know God, he's too mysterious. But anyway, these are some of the verses that are in there that might be misunderstood. Romans eleven, thirty three through thirty four. Oh how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. Hmm. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? So again, like the verses in Isaiah 55, this whole chapter is speaking of God's goodness and pursuing the Gentiles and the Jewish people so they can experience salvation. Okay? That is outside of our comprehension. I don't get it. God is so good and so wonderful. Okay? And... Paul is quoting Isaiah 40, verse 13 and 14, which says, Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? I love that. Have you ever tried to give God advice? <laughs> he need, does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? Again, the context, God is good. He is so just. And then there, you know, there's it goes on to talk about the blind and deaf idols that people worship, okay? So, yes, you can hear God's voice. You can know his will and his thoughts, but don't choose the blind and dumb idols to instruct us when real wisdom is available. I think, you know, again, back to James 1, I see people coming to church, hearing the word, saying they want God's input into their life, or maybe they're not, but they're here, so I assume you want some sort of something. And then not, I'm sorry. 
And then the next part, I'm not saying you. But the people that come want some sort of input. This is going to sound really negative if I was you. Anyway. Then you come and then you just do this. That's what I'm not trying to say. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm backing up. But then we go to, again, we go to Google or we, you know, we have a health issue and God spoke a word over us or God spoke a word about our destiny and our purpose and we allow fear to instruct us. We allow, um, you know, a financial, the economic situation in the world or the housing crisis or we allow those things to instruct us out of the wisdom of God and out of the revelation that he brought to us. Does that make sense? So, um, so don't let the blind and dumb idols instruct us when that wisdom is available. Don't act like he's not good, that he doesn't care. Okay, and then turn to the advice of this age, like Romans 12 said. You know, don't conform to the, the ways and the advice and the customs and the cultures, the ways of thinking of the world. The world is a sinful, broken, love-growing, cold place. Okay, that's not where we're going to find wisdom to thrive. Um, so all of those verses to say God is better than we could imagine. We don't think like he does naturally, but we can grow into it. One of the descriptions Sean Boltz in his book um, that I forgot the title of, I don't think it's translating God, but it might be. I think it's the new one with the, sun, the eclipse on it, if you want to go by it. Um, the way he describes hearing from God for other people is he says, and this is just, I've been just so thinking about this. He says, it's like, because you have your own thoughts and you know God sounds similar to your own thoughts. And we talked about that in another place. But he says, it's almost like, I wish I had a better way to describe it because he does, but it's like having an overlay. Like you've got your thoughts and your thinking, but there's just overlay of stuff you didn't know before. Ways of thinking, ways of processing, ways of interacting. And he tells a story of a time it happened in an incredible way where he was out to lunch with friends and, a, and one of their friends, so somebody he hadn't met before who was an economic financial genius. And God just spoke to Sean's heart and said, I, he feels so misunderstood or not maybe misunderstood, but nobody, he's so brilliant in what he does that nobody understands him in the Christian world because nobody's on that same level. You know, like Wall Street, brilliant guy. So God gave Sean, boom, this, not even a download because it went away after the conversation, this understanding of economics and finances and things just so that this guy could feel loved by God in that moment and feel, and he came, you know, his Sean's friends are there going, the guy, I guess, went away for a minute and they're like, what, what is happening? You don't, you're not this smart. And he told him, God's just giving me this so this guy can feel related to and connected to. So I've been thinking about that. When we think about having the mind of Christ, obviously we want to be in the word. We want to be knowing his character, his nature, and his ways. But then how cool when God steps in. And, you know, for me, it's just, some, it's just a little word right now. It's cotton, you know, on a remedy night. It's, God, I can't get it out of my head, God. Just, what are you saying to me? You know, it's like having a toddler sometimes. Like, Cotton, cotton, cotton. Okay, what is that? Where you weren't thinking it before, and it's not something you naturally knew or should have known, and God just goes, I'm going to transpose my thoughts. over you. And, and I guess what I'm saying and what's so fascinating in that is if God wants to do that in a moment, that we could be so connected with him, with his heart for ourselves and for other people that we could just see his thoughts, 
if we can, I don't know, I'm just fascinated with the idea that we could take that in a moment and learn to grow into that our whole lives. And every day and in every moment, we'll know, okay, this is me reacting and this is God reacting and I will choose. You know, just having that like uh, a perspective, like putting on the, you know, some glasses that, that then you can see clearly through. And again, back to the Solomon thing, you know, basically he's saying, in my innermost being, in the deepest parts of me, let me hear and understand your heart, okay? And hearing and listening is always connected to yielding and obeying. Um, And I don't know that God ever stops talking to us, but I think we can become hardened or deaf to his voice if we don't obey, if we don't, you know, step out. Um, And even if you miss it, then you can go, okay, that wasn't the voice of God. Or it was, and he's okay with me missing it. I don't know. Or again, I think sometimes I misinterpret what God is saying and how to communicate that quite frequently, actually. Okay, um, this one always comes up. This is like Annie's favorite verses night. You guys go, cool? That's what I should have called it. (laughs) Hebrews 4. We've hit this this semester already, too. Hebrews 4, verse 12 through 13. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Only God's word can reveal the truth about our intentions, motivations, desires, thinking, thinking, and attitudes. You know what's interesting? I don't know if this fits, but I have this thing I've noticed in me. We have this friend who um, Duncan used to work for, and he was so generous to us. And he... You know, I, I talk a lot about a poverty mentality um, where we can think there's, you know, think in, in lack and in shame and in fear. And we kind of, it's this, you know, there's never enough and, and I'm never enough. And there's all these things. That's a poverty mentality. Well, every time I have a conversation with this man and he's not, um, you'd never know. He, he's probably pretty wealthy. He's been very smart. He had and sold a business in the valley. Every time I talk to him, even just, you know, how's the weather? How are the kids? How's the wife? You know, what are you up to? I find things coming out of me that are poverty. That are, uh, and, and you know, and he's so generous and amazing. He's like, well, you know, we all have choices. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know why I'm saying all this stuff in front of you. But I feel like, you know, when we, so I say only God's word can reveal this truth. There's something about truth and life that when we encounter it, I think some of the junk comes up, the wrong attitudes. And you're like, what is happening? It's okay. I think you're just, it's coming to the surface so that you can deal with it. So that you can see what's going on and happening. You don't have to shove it down and feel ashamed of it. Just go, wow, every time around this person who seems to be so joyful and peaceful, I just get angry. I hate that she's that way or whatever yeah, okay, let's take that to God and find out why. Does that make sense? I don't even know if it's in context anymore. Let's see. Um, and here's the thing too. Sometimes when we're, we know we're wrong, 
no, sorry, when we know we've been wronged or we're offended, we're frustrated, we know we're not right in those things. We can feel it as believers. You should. I, I Hopefully, you know, you don't go so far that your conscience is completely seared. That'd be sad. We'll pray for you. But we can walk away from the word. We build up defenses and justifications for our offense or why it's okay for us to be in unforgiveness. And um, if we're going to continue to become whole and powerful people, like Hebrews said, we have got to allow God's word to access those deepest parts of us. We've got to allow his word to get deep, and that's going to happen as you spend time in the word, as you spend time in worship, as you talk to other believers or, or other, you know, I don't even think that man is a, a believer, but, you know, you're going you're gonna to notice when truth comes up in that area, what happens in my heart. And you're going to have the opportunity to either allow God's word to cut deep and cut away what is me, what is my hurt, what is my offense, and let him deal with that. And look, this is all, it's all going back to that transformation process. This is part of it. You know, yeah, we would all love the miracle that happened where God can change our thinking in a minute. More often than not, you're getting held under that water and getting some heart surgery done, and it's going to hurt because, no, you know, that part of you doesn't want to die. It's going to go kicking and screaming, but that's okay. Let it kick and scream, and you can get freedom. Freedom. Um, so allow God's word to access those deepest parts, and, the, and yeah, and that can come through one another. Um, so transform, new life. Okay, the old is gone. We talked about some of that. So again, if you still feel offended or rejected or less than or overlooked or you're fighting for significance or value and purpose um, in what you're doing, you've not yet died. Okay, that's the old man trying to get up out of the water and have control again. Um, when you've died to self and been made new in an area, you will think and see and dream and behave and love the way Jesus would in that situation. Okay, so somebody offends you, you can let it go. If somebody rejects you, 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 you walk away going, I'm not rejectable actually because God has chosen me. Um, you know, if you feel overlooked, you're like, well, God sees me. Okay, you can get to a place. I was just thinking about Jesus sat at that communion table at that dinner with Judas and he knew he was going to be betrayed. Betrayal hurts. It is hard. And Jesus loved him knowing that was still where he was going to go. Um, I like the way the Passion Translation uh, does Hebrews 4.12. It says, the word of God interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. Um, so we talk, you know, so again, I'm wrapping this up. We talked about hearing from God, how to, how to know if it's God. One quick test, is this, are these God's thoughts? Is this God's way? We already talked about, does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with his character and nature? Another really good quick test is, is this a selfish thought or a selfless thought? Am I just wanting this recognition in this area or am I just doing this for me? Um, you know, just check for self. Is this about me in this moment or is this truly about this other person in this moment? Is it self-centered, self-serving, and selfish? Then it's you. Um, another thing I've learned, if there's a baseline of fear, and by fear I mean fear of punishment, like it's still uncomfortable and awkward talking, walking up to people and saying, I feel like God told me this, and I don't know if that goes away. 
But if there's a fear of punishment or something bad happening, like if I don't do this, God's going to be so mad. Or if I don't, and, and that's different even from an intensity. Like I need to do this if you have a warning for somebody. That's even different. You guys know what I mean? There's this fear of punishment. That's not God. Okay. So, um, oh, this was the really good part. I'll just tell it to you. Where this all started, <laughs> other than Sean Boltz's thing, I was thinking about the story of Abraham came up. And Abraham and his wife are sitting in their tent, and it's a hot day, and three men appear. This is Genesis 18. You can go read it. And it's the Lord. And this is where he's... Now, God and Abraham already have a covenant. Abraham already has his promise from God. They've made a covenant. And the Lord shows up and, and says, this time next year, Sarah will have a wife. Uh, have a wife, no. Sarah will have a baby. That's how that works. Um, and she laughs at all that. And they have their meal. And, and then the three men are leaving and, and the two go ahead, the angels, I think. And then the Lord stays and says, Should we, shouldn't we reveal to Abraham what we're going to do? And so he tells them, you know, the cry from Sodom is great, and there's so much immor- immor- not immortality. immorality, there's the word, and, you know, sin that I'm going to destroy it. So this is, this is how I, the picture I got of this interaction. Abraham, and I don't, this, I really don't like this chunk of scripture. It's painful to read, because here's how it goes down. Abraham goes, well, God, surely you wouldn't destroy it if there were 50 people. Okay, no, Abraham, I won't destroy it for 50 people. Okay, God, how about 40? Okay, what, you, surely you wouldn't destroy it if there were 40 righteous people in the city. Okay, great. No, they go all the way down to 10. Like, I don't know. I kind of skim it because I'm like, really? Like, can you just get to the point? Here's what I feel like God was showing me was happening in that moment. Again, Abraham has a covenant with God. He's encountered God. He's encountered his goodness. He's... he's um, but promises have been spoken over his life. And, and the Lord is here and they're speaking. And I think Abraham goes, I know you. I know you're good. You won't destroy that. for If there's 50 people there, you're not going to destroy that. And Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, okay, great. You're right. I won't. And, I, and there's probably more to it than this, but this is the point I want to make tonight. I think there's a continuing revelation of God's goodness happening where then Abraham goes, wow, you wouldn't do it for 50. I bet you wouldn't do it for 40. I bet you wouldn't do it for 30. And he gets all the way down to 10. And I, I feel like this is how we can grow and how we're transformed where we make this step and we go, God, are you good in this area? Are you really faithful here? And our mind begins to be transformed as we see that God is faithful and God is good and he will do what he said he will do and we see freedom and healing. And then we go, wait a minute. If you'll do that much, I bet you'll do more and more and more. And that's what I saw happening as I, as I thought about these verses that I, sorry, I don't even like them. But I like them more now. <laughs> Get to the point. So, um, I think that's how this transformation process works. We're not going to get it overnight, but we can keep pressing, and there's always more, and there's always more that God wants to reveal to us about himself, and we can think and process and see the world the way he does and love the way he loves, and 
Oh, that's stunning. It's beautiful. Amazing. So thank you, Jesus. We, huh, God, we, we, I don't know. I need to be transformed, God. We need you. We need your love and your presence. We need your word, God. I just pray that uh, your word would be so alive to all of us. You are revealing yourself in so many ways, God, that we would just just fall more in love with you and just see your goodness more and more and more in our lives. That I thank you, God, for the promise that we can know your will, your ways, your intentions, your purposes over us and the world around us. I just thank you, God, for that and pray that we would be a people that seek that and desire that to bring heaven to earth, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys.